0: I'm just like super honest about everything because I just feel like there are more people that you know go through these things and there is that sort of stigma like i said like especially from a girlfriend you know you always get the oh you know you 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 chose this life or mm-hmm. um you know you knew what you were getting yourself into or um you know just wait, wait until you get into the real world whatever the that means I, I don't even know but these are the things that people say yeah. to you and you're just like, it's okay to to not be okay. And um, I just think that we are so much stronger than we give ourselves credit.
1: What gets us through this crazy hockey journey is our amazing community of women. Inspired by our online network, Breaking the Ice is a platform created to connect us even more as we share our stories, our passions, our tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for all things hockey, and so much more. Or hockey expats by hockey expats, so lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I am recording this from the other side of the pond. We are currently in San Diego, California, where my parents live. My husband's hockey season ended and we finally made it back. I will share a little bit more about our travel day probably next week. Um, We've really just been trying to be present. We've had a lot of family over and full transparency, I forgot to record this intro until the night before really late. So I'm going to keep it short and sweet just because like I said, we've just been spending a lot of time with the family and focusing on that for right now. But this week, I really loved this episode. I have Whitney McParland on and her and her boyfriend are currently playing in Frankfurt. Whitney was really open about just what her experience has been like in this hockey world, in her relationship with some health problems that she had as well. And I think that vulnerability is just such a huge strength. And she definitely shared a lot of vulnerable stories and moments. And I just really appreciate how transparent she was about everything. This is a really good episode. I think it's really relatable for a lot of people. And I hope that you enjoy. Make sure to share this new episode to your story. Let people know what you're doing while you're listening. And we'll see you next week for a new episode. Whitney, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I cannot wait to chat with you and learn more about you and your hockey story.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I was, you know, we've been following each other for a while and I've, you know, heard so many stories and I just thought that I had, you know, something that was really relatable to, you know, things that people go through and I am so excited to be here.
1: Yay. So before we start, I have to ask because I texted you and said, Are you having a glass of wine? And you <laughs> said the answer is always yes. And that's so I instantly was like, okay, hey, I like you already. And for mm-hmm. everyone listening, it's like 4 30 p.m. Don't judge us. Um, are you a right or a red gal?
0: You know what? It honestly it shifts. Like I don't would never do both of them at the same time. Like Sometimes I am for months on white and then I'm like months on red and it doesn't, I don't, I don't change them. So I'm on white right now.
1: (laughs) Perfect. I'm having white too. And I'm literally the exact same way. I'll go through phases where I'm like only by white. And then I'm like, you know what? I want red now and I'll mix it up. So it also, I think depends on like the time of year sometimes,
0: occasionally. It, it totally does, and honestly, um, you know, this is our again. I think I mentioned this to you, but this is our first time here in Europe, and it's dangerously inexpensive to buy <laughs> a good bottle of wine. So um, that's where most of our money goes.
1: I'm happy that we're having a little happy hour together right now.
0: <laughs> I know. I, uh, I, we don't get to do that much just with all the restrictions. I mean, Germany is is pretty strict, um, just with our lockdown regulations right now. So I actually, um, I only know one or two girls. Um, so I, I, rarely get to have happy hours, um, with, with the girlfriends and the wives. So this is awesome.
1: I know. And you guys are in Frankfurt right now, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, couldn't tell you anything about it. Um, I haven't left my apartment since i got here so i couldn't tell you where to go what to see um it's been very interesting yeah so that
1: sucks that this is your first year overseas and it's lockdown
0: yeah i mean um people keep telling me you know don't judge it by this year you know it's usually so fun and you know there's so much you can do and learn and explore um but we are trying to keep an open mind just because we know that the circumstances are obviously very very rare um but yeah we are working through it and we're learning very very quickly things that are normal here that aren't normal at home but um very interesting yeah did you have culture shock when you got here yes and for so many different things you know the most bizarre things like um you know Kyle was pretty it was, it was a lot more for him than it was for me, just because, you know, I come from an Italian family. So, I mean, some of the things, the European norms are things that I already knew about, but, you know, as far as, you know, no dryer, that is definitely (laughs) interesting. Um, What was another one? Oh my God. No plastic on tampons. That was also very interesting. Um, So I'm like, um, okay, can I get some with the plastic on them? And nope, you got to order them from Amazon. But Okay, um, wait,
1: that's actually so good to know because I was just having this issue. I usually bring like a big thing of tampons from Target and... I didn't really pack that many this year because I didn't think I was going to get my period, not to tell everyone about my period life on here, but I already got my period back postpartum and I'm breastfeeding. So I was like, Oh, I'm not going to get it probably all year. So I'm going to not bring very many. And now I'm like, I am not trying to not use an applicator. So I am going to be ordering some on Amazon once we get off this call.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I mean, you're going to pay like 20, 30 bucks for them, but, um, uh, yeah. It's, it's like some of the things we've just, I, you just have to like, um, you know, tampons were a thing because obviously I left them at home. I'm like, Oh God, I don't have room for this. I'll just buy them there. Um, yes. That was a big shocker for me. Um, and then some of the things that we've honestly just been purchasing because we can't live without are like Frank's red hot or ranch and just, Um, you know, things that we've been spending, I would say like $15 for a bottle of, of ranch or, or Franks. So, I mean, you just got to do what you got to do.
1: Yeah. Hey, if it makes you happy, you got to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Especially right now. I know. So. To backtrack a little bit, will you just tell me a little bit about where you guys have been, your hockey story, um, and then kind of up until this
0: point? Yeah. So I was actually born in a very small town near Thunder Bay, Ontario. Very, very far. Sometimes people are like, oh yeah, you're from up north. Like that's only a few hours away. I'm like, no, not North Bay, Thunder Bay, like 12 hours away. So I'm from there and Kyle's originally from Waterloo. Um, You know, I went to school in Guelph. Kyle played in Brampton and then played in North Bay. But, you know, one of my really good friends from who's actually, you know, female hockey player, she's playing in North Bay was like, you know, there's this guy and, you know, I really want you to, to meet him. Um, he's so tall, which I mean, God at, you know, 21, 20 years old, (laughs) that's the most important thing, you know? Um, and she's like, he's so tall. You need to meet him. Um, are you tall? No, I am not tall. I'm like five three, five four. Okay. So we are definitely over a foot difference, which is, um, you know, whoever's hoping for that, I would be like, it's too much. You know, you can't take a (laughs) cute picture, you can't put yourself in the same lens. It's a freaking nightmare. So, yeah. (laughs) But definitely at twenty twenty one, that was the most important thing. You know, very millennial. Follow me on Instagram. It into my DMs, I guess you could say, Um, and um, yeah, we just started talking from there. I stayed that summer because I had one more year left of school to do, so I stayed in the area so that you know we could get to know each other a little bit more and see you know where it was going. So yeah, we dated for that that summer, and then Kyle was going to be going away um, to Arizona for his first year of hockey. Um, that summer so that was in um, I want to say 2016 and it was honestly so unromantic you know sort of how everything happened it was you know people have these adorable stories where you know oh he asked me to be his girlfriend it was so romantic you know I've only ever had one boyfriend in my life um, and we dated for like six years so I mean I'm I i do not casually date so when he was going away you know, we had sort of talked about, you know, where's this going? What are we doing? And, you know, he's kind of like, well, I'm going away. And I'm not really, um, you know, sure what this is. I know distance is really hard. And you know, whatnot. So I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine with me. I'm good with that. I, I don't need this to really go anywhere. So obviously, I don't think that we should continue talking. And he was like, okay, wait, so if, If I if we don't date right now, then you know we can't talk anymore. And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't want to waste my time. And he was just kind of like, okay, let's date. And that's that's how it (laughs) happened. So (laughs) good um, for you, girl. (laughs) Yeah. So six years later or five years later, or whatever it is, here we are. But yeah, so then he went away um and had his first year in Arizona. Um and I stayed in school and then And where was he playing in Arizona? So he was playing for the, for the AHL affiliate team. So he was playing for the Roadrunners at the time. Okay. Um, yeah. And he had a really great year. Um, you know, I think that he was a rookie of the month one year and he got to go to the All-Star game. So that was, you know, that was really fun. But then it sort of, uh, you know, I guess spiraled from there. His second year, they had a, a change in coaching staff and, you know, Kyle wasn't, you know, one of the coach's favorite players. So, you know, he hits that out a few games, a couple of healthy scratch games. So, um, you know, that was really hard for him. I feel like lots of people don't know this, but, um, for hockey players, I feel like they, they age a lot slower. So for him, this was kind of like the first mental struggle or, you know, difficult time in his life that he's had to, you know, sort of go through and, and internalize. It was a tough year. Um, I, you know, it started having health issues at that time. And then, you know, it was really kind of awesome when the trade, the first or second trade came um, we got to go to San Jose, California. Um, and that's where Kyle played for, you know, the Barracuda to finish off his entry-level contract. And then, yeah, it was another great year. Um, You know, we met lots of really great people. We met lots of really great people in Arizona as well. Um, And then it was all going super great. And um, I mean, from his side anyways, it was all going super great. He had got qualified, resigned um, for another year. And then I think mid-summer, he got the call again. You know, he was being traded again. Um, And... I think he got traded another two times after that. Um, so it was, it was pretty, it was pretty difficult. I mean, lots of stuff obviously happened, um, in between there, but yeah, it was, it was difficult for sure.
1: Yeah. And how was that for you moving around that often?
0: Um, so, um, I guess I didn't really affect me until, um, you know, his second year, right, because I was still in school. So I mean, it was just sort of something that, okay, yeah, you know, we'll see each other when we see each other. Um, and then I started work, because I mean, I had <laughs> $25,000 in student debt to pay. So I'm like, okay, I want a career, I want to work, and I need to pay this off before I make any moves to, you know, support you and, you know, be able to travel around with you and whatnot. So um, I, I did that. And then, you um, I think not till the end of his second season was when I, you know, I moved there. I was working remotely, and then in San Jose, I was there pretty full time. You know, I was back and forth seeing doctors and stuff like that. But um, I was there pretty full time. And then when he went to Charlotte, um, we actually were separated. So um, we actually broke up, and um, we didn't get back together until he was in Grand Rapids. So the moving around definitely played a part in, you know, his mental stability and my mental stability and, you know, being able to navigate an already so unpredictable, um, mm-hmm. you know, journey. Right. So it's, I don't know if people are just, a- afraid to talk about this. Yeah. But it, it really did have an impact on our relationship and, um, you know, being able to decide, okay, I'm, I'm giving up all this. And, you know, we ha- there's so much instability. So maybe I should, you know, start focusing more on myself and, you know, start building my career in that way. You know, I, I guess we just needed to both find our own individual identities. And, um, it was just a decision that we came to together. And, um, I think it really helped us in the end, obviously we're, we're back together, but yeah. I think it was, it was necessary for sure.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that because that's, I mean, I'm sure like really personal and I appreciate you telling me that because I think like there could be people listening that might be struggling with that or, you know, do you, do you feel like the lifestyle was a big factor in the reason that you guys broke up for a
0: bit? I would never want to paint this picture that our relationship has been perfect. And you know, what you see on Instagram and you know i i think that we've actually had really difficult um you know hurdles in both of our individual lives and then our lives together um so i'm absolutely not shy to talk about it um it definitely did play a factor um you know he was just really down on himself and i was dealing with a lot you know on my own with you know having been sick and um it was just we weren't able to really provide that crutch i guess you could say um together and you know the moving around and then also i feel like it's such a mixed bag of people that are you know they get serious really quickly and then there's people that you know don't and then we're sort of kind of in that phase where it's like okay are we gonna buy a house like are we um you know do we get a dog um you know do we get married and then there's some people that are you know like oh no i'm not ready for that so that part of the lifestyle also played a factor it's just he just wasn't really sure you know which direction he wanted to go in and what he was ready for and he just felt really unstable um just moving around a lot he's like okay well you know i don't even know where i'm going to be and i just feel like i'm putting this all all of this on you and you're, you're, you've been really strong. And, you know, I'm just not reciprocating. So it was like, um, it was a lot that had to do with a lifestyle. I think that if we lived a a relatively Mm -hmm. stable life, I don't think that, you know, certain, um, you know, like these certain hurdles come up, you know, they're just not conversations that you need to have, like there was, um, you know, a big part of it was, you know, throwing away money, right? Because you have to you have to buy, if you get traded, a lot of the stuff that you're buying, you're buying new every year or you're sharing it with roommates. And we had lost, um, you know, a lot of our, our stuff because it's like, okay, well they're staying. So we might as well just leave it there and we'll get new stuff. Right. So it was, um, it was a lot, it was a lot of factors that, that played a part in, um, I guess it happening when it did. Um, and then I just felt like when, you know, we were sort of I had went to visit him in Charlotte once and um it was a little bit weird because we were we we're both still very unsure and honestly it took it took like several months to talk through that and talk through all of our feelings and you know really um you know get into a groove of okay how we wanted to how we wanted to move forward. So um yeah it was it was pretty difficult but honestly um I think it has made us stronger. So we, um, we're just better for it.
1: A hundred percent. I was going to say like, it sounds like that's what needed to happen to, you know, get you to where you are now. And obviously you guys are back together and I'm sure that made you so much stronger as a couple going through all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it probably helped your
1: communication like really early on too.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Um, because communication was always somewhere where we were, um, you know, it was lacking because Kyle's, uh, anybody that knows him would know that he's very shy. Um, and he's had his own things that he's been, he's dealt with, um, where he's just not a sharer and I'm an oversharer. So, um, so it was, it was difficult to sort of come to that happy medium, but, you know, he's also really great with, with being like, okay, you know, this is where we were lacking. This is why. And this is a way where we could come together and, you know, find something that works for both of us. Um, so it was it, it um, it definitely helped.
1: And side note, that's totally resonates with me. My husband is the same way. Like he's not a sharer and I, I'm the same. Like I'm overshare. I like to, I'm like, let's talk about this right now. Like we have to like work this out like if we're ever in an argument or something and he's like not that way. Like he's like, no. Or just, you know. So I think even still, like sometimes it's a struggle to communicate and like it's just like a constant work in in progress. And you know, it's something that people don't talk about. So I really appreciate you just like opening up opening up about that.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Like I feel like especially as like a professional athlete, I mean, regardless of what you're in, whether it's you know, basketball, football, hockey, um, you know, there's this sort of stigma that whether you're whether it's from the girls' side or or the hockey player side, where it's just like you have to be really strong and and it's not always that way. Like, I mean, I know with Kyle um specifically, like he was deeply impacted by all of these trades and you know, really second guessing himself and you know, his abilities and, you know, kind of asking questions like, what did I do wrong? You know, why is this happening to me sort of thing? And he wasn't really able to to talk about it. And when I was sort of, you know, when we would talk about, okay, you know, is there anybody that you could talk to, you know, like an athletic therapist or anything like that? And it was kind of just like a taboo thing. Like it was like, no, we don't do that. So it mm-hmm. was, I find that really plays a part as well, because they, they have to be strong, right? They have to pretend like they're not really affected. And, you know, this is the life that they signed up for. And it's just, I don't think anybody can prepare for, you know, certain things that happen to people, because I feel like some people get to stay in a place their whole career only jump around once or twice. And, um, you know, they just have the regular struggles of this type of life. And then there's people, whether they have, um, you know, the additional struggles of the trades and the moving around and, you know, the ups and downs of, you know, am I going to play here? Am I going to play here? Am I going to have a contract next year? Or am I going to be in North America? Am I going to be overseas? Um, So it's, it's a lot. And I just feel like they're not always necessarily good at opening up about their struggles. So that was another Mm -hmm. thing that we also had to work through because it didn't start to happen until, you know, we got back together.
1: Yeah. And I think that just like made me think of something, but I feel like guys and girls, that's just like such a big difference in like the brains, right? (laughs) Like girls like to are problem solvers. They like to talk about it. They like to, you know, talk through their emotions. And I feel like guys and you know, not all guys are like this, but I would say like a good majority of guys are a little bit more reserved to talk about these things. And I can Mm -hmm. totally see how it would, you know, build up and, and cause like stress and anxiety. And, you know, because sometimes it's probably hard. Like, I'm just trying to put myself in like my husband's position, I'm sure it's probably hard for him to talk about hockey to me sometimes because I don't fully get it. There's a whole, you know, business side of it. That's so confusing to understand. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard for them to open up to other people on the team because you're right. Like everybody has had different paths. Like no one is on the exact same hockey journey in life. And it's, it's stressful, like regardless of whatever situation you're in. Um, but yeah, that just made me think that, It is totally like a girl guy difference.
0: Yeah. No, it's um, it's it's a big difference. And like you said, I mean, it's something that is just it's uncomfortable. Like it's just uncomfortable for them and they would prefer Mm -hmm. to just not talk about it. Like they just want to hug and um but yeah, it was it was better to to vocalize it and really figure out, okay. Um, you know, I think one of the big things for us was um he has a lot of friends that he's really close to that, you know, play the exact same game he does. And, you know, they all started out the same. And then, you know, you have people around you that are potentially, I guess you could say living out your dream and you're having these difficulties and, you know, he has handled that with such grace. And I respect him so heavily for the way that he's been able to, um, you know, always he always congratulates his friends. He always, um, you know, he's always so positive toward people. And I know that it's something that he has wanted his whole entire life, just to play hockey. And um, you know, it he's only now started talking about it to me. But um, it, it's it's been good because it helps me to be able to say the right thing and you know try to come up with ways to you know how we can work pass it and one of the big things that we've been doing is just you know really trying to be realistic and and you know okay those were our goals like maybe we should set new goals and that way um you know there is a there is a happy ending here even though it might not have been the ending that um you were originally shooting for I guess.
1: Yeah I love that. Um, And then also just to kind of like bounce back to like you mentioned a couple of times of like some of the health struggles that you had gone through. And if you're open to talking about that, I would love for you to share.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of women today have, um, you know, whether it's endometriosis or, or cysts or, or whatnot, it's getting to become really common and lots of women don't know what to do. Um, they don't know where to go. Um, it's one of those things where, um the doctors are very passive. they're like, yeah we'll, we'll monitor this or you know try this or try this It's never like, yeah, let me help you you know mm-hmm. so um I started um, you know having mild symptoms um is as far back as my fourth year university um I had went to the doctor there at the university and was like, okay something's something's not really right I'm I'm, uncomfortable. Um, You know, I would even have some blood when I shouldn't have had blood there. Um, So I got tested. And, um, you know, he mentioned that there was some um, irregular blood cells. So he said, Okay, um, you know, let's monitor it and come back at this in this amount of time. So that was sort of where it started. And then, um, you know, as time went on, it got like progressively worse. Um, You know, I had been to like to be frank like six different doctors because um it was always the same thing you know we'll monitor it um you know we don't really know what it is but you know try this it might help try this it might help and i'm i just never figured out what it was um so then when kyle was actually away his his second year in arizona um, I had mentioned that I did start working to to pay off some of my student debt, and then also, you know, start my career. And um, I was finding I'm not really a complainer of pain; like I'm, I'm pretty good with it. Um, but I was having a lot of pain where I was needing to leave work to go to the doctor, or um, I my period was so bad that I was I was just unable to sit or to stand up, and you know, it's really frowned upon. And I feel so horrible for women that, you know, do have such severe pains and it's like, oh, you're fine. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, everyone has a period you're like you're being dramatic. Right. So, um, that was really hard for me. I got really stressed out and that's where I, I left my job after a year. I was like, okay, I really need to just take care of me and figure out what's going on. Um, and I was, I was, Pretty scared because every time I would go in for a new scan, um, the the technician would be, you know, taking the picture and doing what she does, and you know, she'd always be like, "Okay, you know, I'm I'm just gonna go get a senior tech. I just there's something that I just I don't recognize, or you know, I'm actually gonna go get the radiologist because I'm not sure what I'm looking at." And I'm like, "Okay, you know, what the heck is going on? Like, what the frick is up there?" So um, that, that must have pretty- been
1: really scary.
0: It, it was and it went on for longer than anybody should have to, to go through something. But um, so when I was in, you know, when we were in California, um, you know, I decided to take on a remote job, um, you know, consulting job so that I can really figure out what was going on. Um, I had went to a new gynecologist now. Um, and um, he had mentioned that, know i've been doing this for 25 years you know i haven't really seen this before and i'm like honestly i don't care what it is at this point i'm like whatever it is just take it out so um you know i had went into surgery um my first surgery was supposed to be november 2019 um and i had went in i was really excited i'm like okay it's gonna be it's gonna be over soon so I actually woke up and he had said, you know, I didn't do anything. I wasn't really sure what was going on in there. Um, I took pictures and we're gonna send you off to like a gynecological uh, oncologist in London. So I'm like, I I'm, I went through a pretty tough time. Um, you know, it, it, it was something where I'm like, it was just devastating. Um, it was pretty hard just mentally, because it had already been so long of me sort of going back and forth. And now I was being um, referred to an oncologist. So um, yeah, so it was pretty dark. And I'm, I'm not really shy to say that. You know, I think that with anybody, you know, I've heard a lot of people that have, you know, endometriosis, and, you know, they're depressed, and you know, they're not getting any answers. And that was sort of how I was feeling. I was like, very depressed. And, you know, I had some pretty difficult thoughts that I was, you know, you ask yourself, okay, you know, when to be better, if you didn't feel this way anymore, like, what's the point point and continuing on, like, it gets pretty scary, pretty quickly. And it's, it's a very slippery slope. And I'm thanking God that I, that I had Kyle, because, you know, he was always he's a very positive guy. So, um, you know, he's like, it's gonna be fine, you know, we're gonna figure out what this is. So we'd actually had some pretty good resources at the time, um, you know, with Kyle being with the Sharks organization. So he's like, well, let me talk to, you know, my doctor and see if they can get you in to see anybody. And honestly, it was like that. She, um, the doctor, Kyle's team doctor had sent off my scans and the pictures to, um, a doctor, um, that was affiliated with the team Um, and she went to Stanford. She was amazing. Um, She was one of the best surgeons in, in San, like in California. Um, And she was fantastic. Um, So I flew out to see her right away. Um, She told me exactly what it was. So it's something called um, multicystic mesothelioma. Um, And luckily we, got it at a good time because she was like, you know, I was told that I might need chemo and all this stuff like that. So, um, she had oh said, gosh. so it's, it's cancer. It, it was benign. It was the benign version. So, okay. um, it's, it was, it wasn't malignant yet. So I was, I got really lucky cause she had said, you know, some people don't have the symptoms you do and don't catch this till much later. So um, it starts
1: benign and then it turns malignant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or, or it starts benign and you take it out and it grows back. So, um, I have to get scanned every year, um, because it's got like a 50% chance of growing back. Um, so that's just something i am actually, so, um, I went back to, to Canada and met with that doctor and my friend Shannon, who's absolutely fantastic because Kyle couldn't be there. She came with me to every appointment. Um, she was, you know, she made it so that, you know, we could laugh and, um, you know, just be more upbeat about it. So she was fantastic. She was such a great friend to have with me. Um, So I ended up having surgery today, two years ago. So, yeah, so um, they got it out. Um, I, I lost, I only lost a tube, which is good. So it doesn't really affect my, it shouldn't affect like my fertility or anything like that. Um, I, the only thing now is I deal with a little bit of, um, deal with a little bit of anxiety about it just because it hurt for so long that I have like, you know, phantom pains and I'm dealing with like a little bit of anxiety just with like intercourse and stuff. So Kyle's really great with that. So I couldn't imagine doing this and having to sort of start over with somebody and be like, okay, this is the deal. Like I apologize. Um, but yeah, so, um, it ended up being okay, but af- after three freaking years, but, um, it was good that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. So. Ugh, I cannot
1: even imagine how much anxiety that probably caused you through that time. Just like knowing in your gut that something was wrong and not being able to get any answers.
0: Yeah, and my mom was sort of like you got to you got to keep fighting. She's like you got to keep fighting, you got to keep advocating for yourself. Um if you know something's wrong, just keep keep with it. We'll see another doctor, stuff like that. But that is the healthcare system in Canada, right? Like it's just you got to keep advocating for yourself and keep pushing especially for um gyno- psychological problems, they're just, they're so common, right? So it's just, it's not as pressing as somebody that's dying, right? So it's just, it's difficult for women for sure.
1: There's not as much information about those kinds of things, I feel like, as there should be. Like, like you said, it's, oh, it's not that big of a deal, or it's just this, it's just this. But like, if you're in, you know, pain and know something's wrong and it almost seems like they were like dismissing you, or just like keep sending you off to like someone else. Like that's just so frustrating. And I mean, thank God yeah. that you were able to go to someone that was able to identify what it was, and in the time frame that you know she did.
0: Yeah, honestly, that's that's exactly um, that's exactly how it is. It's it's definitely definitely difficult, but I mean when, when we had found out, like when we had heard what it was, I would go online and there was a couple, maybe two or three little things that you can click on. And at the time where I found out what it was, there was like maybe less than 300 cases reported before that, like in 27. So nobody knew what it was. And that's Mm -hmm. why they're kind of like, who wants to admit that they don't know what's going on with you. So that was I feel like,
1: like when you were online, do you feel like you were like that, that can't be it because there's such so minimal cases of it?
0: Honestly, I had thought, okay, this is definitely what it has to be because of just the experience that I had. And all the symptoms were like so spot on, like everything was so spot on. And, um, it was just a re- honestly, it was just, I had told my mom, I'm like, mom, I don't even care if it's, if it is bad as it could be, I just wanna know what it is. Like the relief to me was just knowing what it was and knowing what my next steps were gonna be. If that was gonna be to have, you know, in the stomach chemo um, or, you know, surgery or whatever, or if I had to lose more things than I originally wanted, like I I was completely prepared. So you just get to that point where you want so badly for the pain to be gone. You'll just, you'll do whatever needs to be done.
1: Yeah. And I'm just curious, like, and we don't even have to put this question in, but, I, but I'm wondering, so like, if it is benign, you would have to still potentially do chemo or is that only if it was cancerous?
0: So it depends. So like, um, if, if I had, so if I had the version that I, sorry, I had the version that I had, if it were to grow back and keep growing back, then they would have to do chemo, even though it's benign, um, they would have to do chemo because, um, that would mean that the method that they're using just unfortunately, isn't working. Um, but if you did have like the malignant version, you would absolutely definitely need need chemo.
1: So, so it hasn't grown back or anything
0: like that. So last year I was good. Um, so last year was a year and I actually haven't been for my scans this year. So I'll have to do that when I get home um, and just make sure everything's good. Like I said, I, even the pain of surgery, like I just, I swapped one pain for like, now I have like pretty severe scar tissue. So I honestly don't know the difference. I'm like, okay, like, mm-hmm. it's fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um it's honestly, I, I just avoid the hospital now. Like, I'm just like, I, I don't even care <laughs> anymore, but I mean, it's a lot different for, for Americans. And I know it's not always the best in, in the best way. Cause I know things are really expensive, but um, the attention that you get is a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the urgency for results and answers is a little bit different. So I don't, if, if I didn't go to that doctor in San Jose and, we didn't have those connections at the time. Like I I wouldn't have gotten that relief. And all of the answers, she was so amazing. She would just, she was like, Oh yeah, here's the case. Like, and she was showing me like people that had what I had and you know, what their organs looked like on the inside and what the differences were. And she was just phenomenal. So I can't say um, enough good things, but again, I, I had insurance. So I know a lot of people didn't. Yeah. I know that that can be difficult.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I, I can totally see why that would be, you know, hard to say positive on top of like, everything that was going on with hockey. I know that when you emailed me before, you kind of mentioned that, you know, it was hard for you guys to say positive with all the trades and the moves. And then you just add like the health, you know, issues onto that. And it's a lot. So what are like, in what way were you able to kind of come out of that and find like a new perspective?
0: Um, Kyle and I have, have sort of different turning points. Like mine happened a little bit sooner than his did. Um, You know, mine happened probably um, closer to after my surgery um, where, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, I am lucky, you know, I, I'm, I'm healthy again um so for me um you know one of the the biggest and you know best advice i've ever gotten and it was actually not even from somebody in in the sport or whatever it was actually from work but it was like you know don't stress about the things that you cannot control and that to me is how i live my life now it's like okay you know we got traded or you know um You know, there's nothing we can there's nothing we can do. It's it's done and now we just gotta um you know move past it and you know be able to, like I said, set new goals and expectations. So um I feel like when you get when you get sick and you're 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 low and you're depressed and you know you just really focus on the things that are important and you know, those things might not no longer be um, you know, well, this person is having a lot of fun, and I, I'm not. Or this person's here, and I'm not. Or, um, you know, so and so doesn't like me, and that hurts my feelings. You know, like you just really learn about the things that are super important, like really good friends, really good family, a cur- like a job. Um, you know, because lots of people don't have that right now, um, and you just just become thankful for um the things that you do have rather than the things that you don't. And that was just something that, um, you know, I was able to pick up after, you know, getting getting better. Whereas for Kyle it was a little bit difficult different because he um, you know, he had so many other struggles, you know, after that, where now I needed to to try to be there for him. Um, but honestly, since moving to Germany, um it was, it was very difficult. Like the first month here was very difficult for both him and myself. Um, I wasn't sure if I could even come because I'm like, well, I have a full-time job. And I told you that I I'm not giving up my career to just follow you around. And, um, I got so lucky because I have really great bosses and they're like, well, you know, we know that you work so great from home and, you know, we, we love having you and you're, you know, a part of our family. So. You know, you can go work from Germany, it's not a big deal. And I said, awesome. So I got to come here. um, And that really helped. Um, But Kyle was just, it just took him a little bit longer to readjust his mindset and become more okay with being over here because at the end of the day, he didn't make the decision because he really wanted to. He didn't make the decision lightly. Um, He just felt like, okay. I'm sure a lot of other people felt this way, you know, like it's a job mm-hmm. um, and I got it. I got to do it. I mean, we had just bought in a house that summer. So he was really thinking about, okay, you know, we have a lot of things that we need to pay for. So um, now he's really good. Now he's just like, yeah, you know, you know, like everything can be fine. Um, you know, work is, is tough this week, but it's going to get better next week. Or, um, you know, it's just one season, um, you know, next season will be better. So it's just things like that. Like, it's honestly, it's just, it's, it's so tiny, um, in the grand scheme of life. I mean, your hockey career is is 10 to 15 years. Right. I mean, once you're, I guess, a professional hockey player, sorry. Um, it's sort of, um, it sounds, it might sound terrible to say, but I always tell him I'm like, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna be okay because you know at the end of the day we all can't be hockey players forever you know like at, you know in ten to fifteen years you're gonna be able to live down the street from your best friends and raise your kids together and you're, you're all just gonna be retired hockey players it's not gonna matter where you played or how much you made or whatnot right it's gonna the experiences are are the most important part and it's who you're doing it with and what you're gaining and learning from it. So I just think that we were able to shift our mindset to take something that was, you know, originally pretty negative and just, you know, I guess just shift the way that we think about it too, so that we can, you know, really enjoy our time.
1: Girlfriend, that was so well said. I'm just like sitting here, (laughs) like, just like infatuated with what you just said. Oh my gosh. I was like, as you were speaking that, like sometimes when I'm listening, to someone talk on a podcast, I'm like, what's going to be your like audio clip. And I think that was it. Like, that was just so powerful. And I love your perspective. It's so true. And, you know, I, I think your feelings are valid though still. And, you know, you're allowed to have those bad days and those bad months. Um, and so, and it is hard, it's an adjustment, especially like if you've never lived overseas, you know, like totally totally a different ballpark, right? Like it takes some time to get used to, but I just love your perspective and everything that you said.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate that, but honestly it was, it was a really long, hard, messy road to, to get to this mindset. It's, it's, it's doesn't happen overnight. And, mm-hmm. um, you have to, it takes a lot of conversations. It takes a lot of, you know, trust within your partner. And honestly, I like when people ask me about it, I'm, I'm not shy to say, you know, we were in turmoil, we both fell apart, and we couldn't, we couldn't do it, we had to, we, you know, we separated. And I'm just like, super honest about everything, because I just feel like there are more people that, you know, go through these things. And there is that sort of stigma, like I said, like, especially from a girlfriend, you know, you always get the Oh, you know, you 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 chose this life, or mm-hmm. um, you know, you knew what you were getting yourself into, or um, you know, just wait, wait, until you get into the real world, whatever the that means. I, I don't even know. But these are the things that people say yeah. to you, and you're just like, it's okay to to not be okay. And um, I just think that we are so much stronger than we give ourselves credit for. And I was a huge, huge I'm so hard on myself, like when it comes to anything, like I, I, if it's work, if it's my relationship, I overthink everything, Um, you know, or if it's with a girl group, like big girl groups give me, I have really bad social anxiety. So, um and like I told you, like, I'm super sarcastic and I make super inappropriate jokes. And <laughs> sometimes it could be perceived, in a really negative way. And um, <laughs> I get myself into so much trouble and I, and I never mean it. But um, yeah, it's honestly, it, it takes time to, to get to, to a good place and be okay with the person that you are. And honestly, it's something that I focus on constantly. Like I, I, I'm very self-aware. I know exactly what, what my flaws are. I know exactly what people don't like about me. Um, I know exactly what I love in other people. Um, I know who's going to fit well with me. I know who's not. Um, so it's just really learning and growing every day. And I'm, I'm constantly trying to be a better person, but you know, it, you don't just wake up one day and like, I, I need to be a better person. It takes a, it takes a lot of time.
1: Totally. And I feel like you have to go through those hard times to like get, get a breakthrough, right? Like, and finally start to have those different perspectives and different thoughts, because I think like you said, there is like a stigma about talking about these things. And also just like, I feel that people think, oh, this person's positive that they just wake up and snap their fingers and they're positive. Like it doesn't always look like that. Sometimes you have to go through really hard times to get through that. And your vulnerability is just like such a huge strength. And again, I'm just like, so grateful for you sharing that.
0: I don't want to appear to be something that I'm not. I, I'm, I'm, I've always been a really well-spoken person. And I've, I've only now, like with, with all of the challenges we face, faced, been able to really articulate my feelings and really figure out what type of headspace I want to be in. But I, I still really do struggle. Like I struggle constantly with whether it's overthinking things or, you know, still trying to figure out like, like I, I get such bad panic attacks and anxiety attacks about, okay, we're in Europe, like what's next? What's next? So um, I'm not going to say that that doesn't happen. And I also get, like I said, really bad anxiety in, in, in girl groups. I'm just like, those are things that I, I'm constantly trying to be better at and dealing with. So um, I still have lots of stuff that I'm trying to, to work on and I'm constantly trying to be better at. I'm also not a very affectionate person by any means. Like I'm very, I'm very open and direct and I, 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 I'm not super affectionate. So like, it's, it's really hard for me to, you know, create those relationships because it's just not a natural quality for me. Like I've always had guy friends and, you know, I, I also come from a really big family, a really big Italian family. Let me tell you. So you know, I'm loud and I don't always recognize if I'm saying something to hurt somebody's feelings because, you know, most of my friends and all that stuff growing up were either guys or my cousins, right? So, or my siblings, like my siblings, they're my best friends. So um, those are things that I'm like constantly working on and, um, you know, being in this world and being faced with, you know, some of these trying to create some of these friendships and relationships and all that stuff. It is really difficult for me. It's something that I, I'm constantly aware of, aware about and working on. So, um, I don't want to pretend like I have it all together. Cause I, I really, really don't at all. Well, I think that you're stronger than you think. And you know,
1: this lifestyle, like it's just not, I know we kind of touched on this on the episode last week, but it's just with the friendship one, but it's not normal. like moving around and being placed in these new friend groups when you're like in your late twenties, thirties, forties, whatever, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, those aren't the people that you've grown up with or been around and you're comfortable with. You have to really, it's uncomfortable, right? Like you have to start from scratch and get to know people and put yourself out of your comfort zone. And I definitely get anxiety meeting new people because you don't know how everyone's going to be, or if they're going to like you, or if you're going to like them. And yeah, it's hard.
0: Yeah, it honestly, it's it's super hard. And it's just like, like, throw it on the pile, right? Like, it's another thing that is is very difficult about, you know, this lifestyle. And, you know, Kyle and I were having this conversation the other day, and we were sort of thinking back to, um, you know, how much easier it was, say, for example, in Arizona, where we were there for a certain period of time, you know, we were there for two years. So it was, we had that stability. We had those, those friendships where it's like, okay, you know, this is nice. And then um, in California, there was some awesome girls there too. But there was also this like dynamic where there was a lot of, there was that sort of separation and not to say in a bad way, like our times got shorter and shorter, right? Charlotte was super short. And then Grand Rapids was super short. Um, And you just sort of kind of feel like you're, you're, you're not really in the mix, you know, you're not really fitting in. And it, it it's difficult, not even from, you know, my standpoint, but from also Kyle's as well, because, you know, he's the new guy, he's the new guy again, and again, and we're the new people again and again, right. So that's definitely a huge challenge with trades. And if you're not naturally good at anything, so Kyle's naturally shy, even though he's, Super, super nice. Like he's not the type of guy to put himself out there. Right. And then for me, I'm not, I'm super outgoing and, you know, love to drink and have a good time, but I'm also not really good at having those deep conversations or those, um, you know, those girl talk conversations. Right. So I I struggle a little bit. So, I mean, yeah, we have that's, that's been difficult with the trades as well. Thank you so much
1: for coming on the podcast and putting yourself outside of your comfort zone, sharing your story, being vulnerable. I appreciate you and I respect you and, I'm just really happy that we were able to connect.
0: Yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. You seem like a really great person. And I watch, I listen to all your podcasts and love all your posts. So it's been really fun.
1: Thank you. And if someone wants to reach out to you,
0: where can they find you? The best place right now is just Instagram because it's the only thing that stays constant throughout all the locations that we, we move to. So <laughs> Instagram is always the best um, just because, you know, it's me and it doesn't change. So um, that's probably the best place. And what's your handle? Um, It's my first name. So Whitney, and then my last name, McParland, and that's, that's it.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Hi there. If you're still listening, please take two seconds to subscribe, rate, and review. Have a great day.